Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Explorers, welcome back to the Starfield Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, and I'm here with Dave as usual. And Dave, today we are taking on another location. We've been working our way through the different locations across mm-hmm. the uh, this part of the uh, galaxy. And uh, today we're talking about Neon. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. Flashing lights, lights, lights. Sorry, I'm trying not to get us copyrighted, but you get what I'm saying. That's the intro song for this. Yeah, because it's all segment. the neon lights in neon. I mean, there are a lot of neon lights in neon. Mm-hmm. I wonder true. where they make the neon. I don't know that we have any lore about that. I mean, I would imagine they're just harvesting elements and then running electricity through it like you do with most neon signs. Like Could be. neon is one of them, which is why we call them Could neon be. signs. I think it's a tier three resource, though. It's like the gold resource. So they must be getting them from somewhere, you know? Mm, I don't know. But we do know there are things we do know. And that's what today's mm-hmm. episode's about, because mm-hmm. this is a location that doesn't run like any other location that we are aware of in the galaxy, because it's not a settlement in the traditional sense. It's a business venture that started with fishing giant fish. And uh, this leads into eventually joining the Freestar uh, uh, group and then some other corporations and things form around it. And then there's all of this. I don't know. There's the poor people and the different gangs and the different corporations. And it is kind of its own form of Wild West without being the Wild West. So let's let's just get into it. So let's what do we know about how. Uh, neon started and the geography of the location and that kind of stuff. So it, it's actually on the uh, planet known as Voli Alpha. It's in the uh, Voli system. Um, Voli Alpha is interesting because it's just an ocean planet. Yeah. Like it's 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 the opposite of Dune. It is just oops, all water. It's Waterworld. We made it. That yeah, it's wonderful Waterworld. hit movie from the nineties. Correct. Um, it, it's 100% water. Uh, you can scan the planet. You can't land on the planet, actually. The only place you can land is the platform um, known as Neon. But the uh, planet itself, it seems like it's host to a number of different fish. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where Xenofresh, a corporation that was um, doing essentially interplanetary fishing, uh, found the planet and was like, hey, water world, we want a part of you. And so they built this fishing platform uh, that was going to be the start of their new empire. And I think that happened in the late 2100s that it was discovered and they built that platform. Yeah, uh, the actual kind of start date is, is pretty vague. Like, we don't think we actually get an official date 
mm-hmm. in any of the lore that I've seen. Uh, but we do know that by the 21 somethings that things had kind of started uh, because the Xenofresh Fisheries Company is the one who made the platform because they were like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a, it's a big planet full of water and a bunch of fish. If we can build a platform at some location and fish all the fish, then we can make money off of fish. And then they discovered something they didn't expect to discover when they uh, and I, I don't know the best way to pronounce this chasm, C-H-A-S-M-B-A-S-S, chasm bass. It's the, like the big mean looking fish on the planet. Spell that again for me. Chasm bass. It's mm. chasm bass. Just, is there an S in there? There is an S in there. Yeah, I double checked. In the middle, I double I checked. I just wrote it. down cham bass. Yeah, no, this is one another one of those. He pulled it at the one of my one of my like yeah. dig dig picks or right. whatever, and my cham bass. Yeah, somehow one of the uh, one of the letters disappeared. Uh, Cha- These big boys are the cham bass here. Chasm bass? We got them down at the at the Cabells. We put them in the big tank down there. Put them next to. <laughs> yeah, well, they have bass in the name. They don't look like any bass that I've seen before. Uh, the first time I saw one of these, it for some reason spawned on the platform outside the elevator and was just like sitting there looking at the elevator wiggling not responding to anybody uh yeah yeah, but they've got them you know uh, up on the platform where they're being hauled out of the water and they're being basically harvested for a very specific chemical that they produce Yes, it's a uh, hallucinogenic chemical that they um, found when they were. Imagine this. Imagine you're you're out there, you're fishing for all these different things, and you're getting getting stuff together, and you're just kind of testing a little bit of everything. And then somebody takes a big old hunk of meat, puts it on the grill, cooks it up, and then just eats it. And all of a sudden, they are tripping balls. Like <laughs> yeah, they right? are absolutely out of it. Like, what do you? What do you do at that point? Is that like a secret for a while? It's like, well, you know, after work, after we're done fishing, we get some of the fish and we put it on the grill. Or is it like they shipped all the fish out and then everybody started hallucinating in the rest of the galaxy for like a good three months. They had to do a recall mm-hmm. and then they had to call everybody on their personal phones and be like, oh, there's a recall on the on the tram bias you bought from the <laughs> local space program, you know? You know, some people are really skeptical of sushi because it's uncooked fish, and so they feel weird about it, but it's absolutely safe yeah. as mm-hmm. long as it's prepared correctly, all of that. Uh, I would imagine this is a similar kind of thing. Somebody made some sushi with the chasm bass, chasm, cham, whatever it is, and uh, started tripping, and then, you know, Aunt Karen was like, like space well, I told you, I told you not to eat sushi. I don't know why she's she's from. Oh, don't you know? I told you not to eat the sushi now. Yeah, I don't know. Back in like when I was in high school, they had like the oregano challenge. But like if you if you down a whole bottle of oregano, you can get really high. <laughs> so what if there was like a challenge to be like, if you eat six fish steaks, man, you're going to be out there, man. You're oh, going to be really out there. Yeah. Grandpa's just <laughs> walking into the ocean. Um, so, OK, so this <laughs> chat chasm bass, I'm going to call it chasm bass, has some sort of hallucinogenic chemical that it obviously has created everything that comes later because this was the main uh, what economy center for everything they were like well why would we sell food when we can get everybody high and they're going to spend more money for that and then they expanded the platform and other people started showing up and they started creating their own businesses including some major corporations over the next yeah, significant period of time. We've got like 100 years almost. Well, 50 years. So, so Neon was put on the map in 2187 
mm-hmm. when it was kind of expanded into a tourist and commerce destination because of all the substances they were making. Uh, so we've got a good roughly 50 years now that it's been around and, and right. Kind of- and, and part of the reason is, is it seems like that they discovered this and they started shipping it and the United Colonies was like, hey, we're going to ban that. We don't like that. We don't like your Aurora. We don't want you putting drugs into our system. We're a government focusing on the people and its citizens. And we don't we don't want these drugs you're peddling. We don't want it. And so I think that was the the thing of like, okay, well, we're just going to make them here. So then you right. have the entertainment groups coming in there and then people being like, okay, well, that's a free market. So I can start my business there right? or house my business there. And it's not going to get caught up in all of these different rules and regulations. Uh, effectively, it's a, it's a regulation free zone. I know that a lot of, uh, you know, some governments or um, even like states in the United States, like they will get rid of regulation and say, okay, well, this zone, you know, is correct for that like nevada has that for a lot of different stuff um, for like the vegas area like there's a lot of regulations that exist in other states they get rid of them and then more businesses kind of like situate around it yeah and it's it becomes a draw for sketchy businesses or businesses with sketchy practices their products may not be so sketchy but they are much uh feel much more free to do whatever they want and that plays into the storylines that we run into at this location right Yes, it does. Um, The the storyline and where we kind of pick it up is uh, the Bayou family or Bayou. I don't know how to pronounce it. Benjamin Bayou, Bayou. Bayou, We're great at pronunciation on this show. Cham Bayas. He is a part of the family that has owned and and started Xenofresh Corporations and is the owner of, uh, essentially, he's like the unofficial mayor of Neon. Um, And so when we enter there, he is in control of a lot of the, pretty much all of the Aurora that's being distributed out and in through there. Um, and is the de facto leader that we you have some dealings with and some quests, as well as his family members. Um, I think he has a brother that you have to deal with at one point during the quest. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is kind of the centerpiece that seems like that he has his he has his finger on the pulse of everything. He's got his finger on all the other corporations. What's going on with his the the underside of of the the neon the, the like undercity like the actual undercity under right city itself yeah. He kind of knows exactly what's going on and has control over all elements, it seems. Right. So that includes let's let's go over some of the other corporations. So we yes. have um, Ryujin, who we're familiar with. If you play through that mm-hmm. quest line, right, they're the ones that we start working for. And they are making cybernetics, including these implants that go into people's brains and allow them to do crazy stuff. And yes. I don't want to get too spoilery on, on that plot line because it's it's pretty fun stuff if you want to if you haven't done it yet and you want to get through and kind of mm-hmm. figure out what Ryujin is all about but of course it's a corporation and there's all sorts of you know backstabbing each other in the corporation sometimes literally in order to get what you want uh, or other people from other corporations in order to compete with them all of that right but then right subsidiaries a lot of those two of like oh we're making this specific thing we're a part of the Ryujin family right right so then what other what other corporations are there yeah, so there are uh, there is of course Jinnerdine, who is famous for making the electrical system that Neon uses. That is the only uh, thing that they have made, um, and it essentially 
when lightning strikes these like control towers on the top of it, that's what generates the electricity for the rest of neon. So yeah, it's like a yeah. super Ben Franklin conduction grid. It's like, oh, we loved Ben Franklin. He had that key and a kite and had that lightning. <laughs> and you know what? We're going to make a city based off of it because we love Ben Franklin. It's pretty right? cool. It's a really smart idea because this is a an area that's covered in water. I guess there's a lot of static friction in the atmosphere. So there's lots of thunderstorms storms and lightning and those kinds of things. So this company comes along not too long after uh, Xenofresh establishes the platform and all that. And they're dealing with all of this lightning and they come up with the solution. They're like, OK, let's create this grid that pr- not only protects the platform, but then harnesses the power from the lightning to power everything on the platform, which is a really cool idea. It took them like 25 years to finish making this. I guess it it was a big project, and it's the only one like it that we know of in the galaxy. Yes, um, I, I personally like this kind of like lore about the locations. Like, I, I I wish there was more of that. Of like, hey, we're on this specific planet. Like, some of my favorite sci-fi is like, hey, we're on this specific planet, and we've have this adaptive technology for this thing. Like in um, in Dune, they have the suits that it's like, oh, whenever we you know pee or spit or whatever, it like re like recycles that liquid into water and so we don't lose our moisture when we're out the desert it all just gets like put back into our bodies and it's like we've invented this technology to live on this planet and it has this lore and this use um so i think that the conduction grid fits under that which i think is super interesting yeah yeah so that's jennerdyne and then Mm -hmm. uh there's a few other companies who else yeah there's a few other uh the the trade authority has a big stop there the trade authority is is a company that you see everywhere you go pretty much uh, at almost every major port uh they are the people that are buying and selling merchandise they are the made trade partner sometimes shady sometimes not shady Uh, they kind of have like a kind of depends on who you talk to (laughs) yeah it depends on who, who who you talk to with that one uh they're a little shady uh core kinetics uh they make um mag based weapons so your mag shot uh your mag pistol the ones uh, the ones with a lot of the bullets coming out they yeah all the little like, laser um, pointers on the front like the big group laser pointer guns i love, you know I love the way those little, look um you know those like uh, those old toys like you put there's a bunch of needles and you put your hand in it and yeah. it's a little shape that's what those guns remind me of it's oh, like okay. those little you, you put remember your the face toy with on all the it. needles that you stick your hand in? You put your face on it, and then it was like, who put their face in there? And you still got the little pokey marks on your face, and you're like, I did. It kind of right. hurt. I shouldn't do that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, you've got Kelt Corp, who's a manufacturer of mining technology and runs many mining sites. Uh, mining is a big thing in in Starfield. Like uh, the United Colonies has a lot of the mining rights to a lot of different planets. It seems like mining is a big industry there. Uh, you know, look at Sedonia, which is a United Colonies area. It seems like Kelt Corp is more Free Star Collective. Uh, and then Stroud Eklund is there as well. And they are, of course, a spaceship manufacturer managed by uh, Walter Stroud and his partner. Good old um, Walter. Eklund. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their relationship or uh, is complicated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Husband yes. and wife team that runs the company, but they kind of are competitors also. Uh, it's interesting. Um, interesting. Yeah. So we've got all of those locations. And then there's this entire undercity where the commoners live kind of in squalor, I guess you could say. Right. There is an undercity that has a few different gangs that, that kind of operate out of there. But the one major faction that kind of operates in the, in the nefarious department is the um, Sengoku Syndicate. 
or Siogu Syndicate or Siogu Siogu Syndicate. There's no N, but okay. It's the Scene Syndicate. Um, they are an underground crime syndicate um, that you encounter in a number of different quest lines. They're kind of like the the stand-in for that. Um, I think in maybe Solomon Coe's Solomon Coe's. Um, what is it? What's his Sam, name? Sam Co. Sam Co. Sam Co. Sounds S. like that sounds like a name of a corporation. Sam Co. Sam Co. Welcome yeah. to Sam Co. Exactly. Um, uh, one of the um, Free Star Rangers, you kind of run into that. I think in the Crimson Raiders, they're a little bit in that quest line. They kind of touch a lot of different things, but it seems like they have a lot of connections to that Benjamin Bayou fellow. So it seems like that they are kind of like the underhand of Benjamin Bayou that's, you know, tickling the soft belly of neon. You know what I mean? Ooh, ooh. Uh, mm. So that leads to all sorts of questions that we're going to get into in the second half about who's actually running everything. How does this actually work? A bunch one company owns the platform, but other companies are there as well. They don't have seemingly a regular form of government that is recognizable. And yet somehow all of these people survive and get along like corporatocracy mm. maybe would be the closest example of what the government actually is. So we're going to get into some questions on the second half. But first, we've got to go thank our patrons. So don't go anywhere. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb gear a bunch of other items it is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code maxpool m-a-x-p-o-o-l maxpool don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to marvel strike force for sponsoring this episode everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. And as always, this show is brought to you all by our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting the show. If you are interested in getting ad free episodes, T-shirts or stickers or joining us at the end of every month for our patron chat, then head over to patreon.com slash Starfield Lorecast. Take a look at that. Our next patron chat is coming up very quickly on the 29th, Monday, the 29th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. If you are one of our tier four or higher patrons, you're welcome to come join us and we will be discussing in our private discord channel exactly what we will be talking about and it's totally up to you guys so uh feel free to join us and jump in there if you if you can and um 
let's see. Anything else? Oh, we got to shout out our Commander Marcus Shepard, our Space Lord. If you sign up as a Space Lord, you get shout outs every week. Thank you, Commander Marcus Shepard. We really do appreciate it. And also, if you'd like to help us out in other ways, leaving five star reviews on Apple Podcasts is a great way to do it. Plus, we'll read out your words on a future episode of the show. You can rate us on Spotify or whatever other podcast you're listening to us on. You can join us for the live shows on Twitch, on the Robots Radio Twitch channel, or check out on the Robots Radio YouTube channel, the live episodes, the video versions, where you can see our beautiful faces. Or, you know, you can just tell your friends. Any of that stuff helps, and we we appreciate it, because we couldn't do it without you. So, thanks for being here. Alright, let's move on with our questions about Neon. Here we go. <laughs> All right, Dave. So Neon's quite a puzzle because like you said before, it would be nice if we had more specifics about the lore, but this being the very first game and it being expansive with so many different locations, we get little bits and pieces that we have to kind of make assumptions about, right? Unless things get fleshed out, say, in future updates or expansions or sequels or those kinds of things. There's only so much that we know right now. Um, I know you've got some questions about Neon. Why don't you start us off? Yeah, my thought is, is Neon itself a megacorp? Um, and I mean that to say, under the Freestar Collective, you have a, you call it a corporatocracy, I believe. A corporatocracy, yeah. Corp- corporatocracy. A corporatocracy. We get, we get glimpses of this in different forms of literature and stories. Uh, the Obsidian Space Game that came out a few years ago, um, Outer... Outer, outer worlds, worlds. Uh, that was everything's a corporatocracy the corporation owns everything and you work for the corporation the corporation then gives you your pay but then you have to buy things from companies that the corporation owns in your specific location so basically everything cycles back to the corporation they are ultimately in power and they do as they want because there's no other form of government above them there's no democracy or even you know authoritarian group that tells them what they can and can't do right and i think the outer worlds is a little more overt with that of like meeting people and then they're like it's it's um wait before i talk to you it's not the best choice it's spacer's choice right right and they (laughs) they, they turn it into a big joke and yeah and that that is one of the main themes uh what we see in neon isn't as uh heavy-handed uh, intentionally it's it's more of just well this is just how this place works and everyone just kind of gets along with their day kind of the way more right. I, I feel more people would actually act like this in those kinds of situations i think there's not a lot of information on what the freestar collective board of governors is because like who is on the board of governors like we know for a fact that ron hope is based off of the freestar collective timeline and all of the hope industry stuff is under him mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i would assume that benjamin bayou I'm is pretty also sure he on is yeah the, the the board of governors right um and if, and if the board of governors is just these you know high-powered you know corporate affairs folks then you have this kind of oligarchy of of capitalists that's up there yeah running the whole show yeah but it but it's kind of a confederacy so there's no formal federal government overseeing it all it's yeah you're right basically it's a conglomeration of these different groups who agree to work together but they also agree not to tell each other what to do outside of say voting on a policy together and deciding to go forward with it um so in that way it's it's complex, right? Like if the Freestar Collective decided to actually start mandating that Neon do certain things, they probably have 
Benjamin Bayou specifically probably has the right to say, well, I'm going to go along with that or I'm not. And if I'm not, then maybe I'm just not part of the Freestar Collective anymore. See you later. He probably has the right to do that under the concept of it being a confederation. Um, and maybe I'm overstretching definitions and bounds here because, again, we don't get there's not a whole lot of clarity exactly about the way this works on kind of a minute, nuanced level. These are just assumptions that I've made and Dave's making based on our experience so far and conversations that we've read in the community and those kinds of things. Um, so I guess the real question then is how much control does Benjamin Bayou actually have over the other corporations? Because it seems like the other corporations have the potential to do whatever they want to take things into their own hands to sabotage other companies and do those kinds of things. And there's not a whole lot of reprisal that comes back from that. Benjamin Bayou seems to do what he wants. And it's interesting because he really, all he does is own Xenofresh. That's all he does. And, and the, the platform lounge. and the platform, like the platform yeah, itself was created the, by the Xenofresh, actual right? platform. Yeah. So it's like he is, uh, he's harvesting fish. He's making a drug and selling it in his astral lounge, which is the only place you can get Aurora. Um, and he's also a real estate owner. Like he owns the real estate for neon. It is the prime real estate of that planet. It is yeah. like, I, I imagine rent prices are very high on neon. Yeah. Do you, you think anybody so? actually owns outright their parts of the platform or do you think he just rents everything out? I think it's just written everything out. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that's the, you know, he probably leases in squares or whatever. <laughs> like, right. right. He, he's just like this particular zone. He probably owns the whole planet if we actually think about it. Um, but that's kind of, since he owns all of that, every corporation that's on neon has to work with him. Right. Right. Yeah. Because otherwise he raises their rent and forces them out if he just doesn't like them. Right. Like that's a really easy solution to a corporation that you don't get along with. Well, I'm or just going to sends out a syndicate to go after them <laughs> right, or does right. something with their power conduction or does. Like, right. Right. Like because the who's of- the authority that's going to come after him other than just reprisal from that other company. And then you end up with two companies fighting each other. It becomes cyberpunk. Basically, these companies become their own nation states with their own militaries and they're just fighting each other like this is right. This is some cyberpunk stuff, actually. And it kind of ties back to that that idea of like Benjamin Bayou is effectively running a megacorp. Like for think about like from the scale of the planet, he is a mega corporation on that planet because he is doing this, that, and the other thing. Like his effect on he does like his his fish and his like Aurora is like contraband across the rest of the galaxy. Like out there, his products aren't doing what they do on neon, but he has so much control over the corporations that do that do the business on neon that he automatically has a wide net to cast over the rest of the settled systems. Yeah, I would imagine you also have the situation where even though the only place it's legal to get Aurora is on neon, that doesn't mean that people aren't buying it on neon and then criminally trafficking it out to other locations, making a lot of money. And he probably is aware of that. And he probably doesn't employ any of these illegal people, but he probably also doesn't have any problem selling them things while they're on neon that they just happen to take off planet if they decided to. So that that's an income stream as well. And, and that kind of, that kind of ties into my, one of the discussion questions that we have of, let's say you're a tourist and you come and you're like, okay, well, I want to buy some Aurora and you go and you buy Aurora. You have your good old fanciful time. You, you wear <laughs> grandpa, grandpa trips balls off the side of the platform. Right. 
Yeah, uh, with the uh, blue and purple suits in the Astral Lounge, like you're just having a great time. And then you're there and you buy something else. You buy a few things. But like, as you know, like from like when you think about like pleasure, pleasure cities like uh, Las Vegas, like you can get really into debt there because of the amount of stuff that you are buying or gambling or or working with. It seems like to me that Aurora is is the hook that Benjamin Bayou is fishing with. And he's not fishing fish. He's fishing people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So this is your the gateway drug. Is that where you this going? is the get this is the gateway drug to controlling people's lives is he's like, hey, I've got this Aurora. It doesn't have any bad side effects. You can come do it. Just spend a little while here. Spend a little while on neon. See what happens. Mm-hmm. And then as people come in, they get into his system. They get into his corporations that he you know, doesn't control. So their lives are altered by him just having this initial product. Right. And this creates the stratification we see in Neon. We have all of these people who are now desperate for this drug, desperate for employment to be able to purchase the drug and working in crappy conditions because they're being taken advantage of because Benjamin Bayou knows that he's he's caught them. He's caught them in something that's not supposed to have side effects, which clearly it seems to. Right. Um, so and, that, and that becomes the you're a smuggler right? that wants to go into business for yourself. Well, good luck, because you got to clear that with him as well, as we know from some of the quests and the storylines. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, man, that's Benjamin Bayou guys not looking good. He seems like no, he dude. seems as bad as that Ron Hope fellow. I know. Did you try killing? I mean, we'll talk about we've talked about Ron Hope before. Have you tried killing Benjamin Bayou? I have. I have as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> doesn't, it, it doesn't work out. The, uh, the Crimson, the Crimson Fleet quest line. I think I tried to kill him. Yeah, he just, I was like, he just oh, takes well, a knee gonna... and gets back up. Yeah, because <sighs> he's like, I think during that quest line, you do something, and he's like, I'm gonna put a bounty on your head. And in my head, I'm like, I'm a pirate, so I'm just gonna kill you. Yeah, and walk off. I was doing the do Ryujin stuff. There's a moment in the Ryujin quest where you meet him in the lounge, right, in that like upstairs room or whatever, mm-hmm. and he's basically telling you what you can and can't do and like he's looking all nonchalant about how like he's control of everything and i was just like well if you're dead you're not in control of everything exactly yeah and most of the time my character tries to do i tried to be the good guy i tried to do the good thing but in those moments i'm just like same scum what happens if i shoot you in the face because you can't do anything you want if you're dead and of course pretty much he doesn't die and Somebody, I would love for somebody to just mod that stuff in so you can just like, and even if it just, you can't go further on the quest, it just breaks the quest. Just let me shoot the billionaire douchebags in the face for taking advantage of people because that still feels, it's a little bit, it's a little bit Punisher, but it still feels like it creates the greatest good. I'm one of those, I am one of those purists that wishes that you could kill everyone because the, the old Morrowind days of killing Vivek and then being like talking to people and be like, yeah, I killed Vivek. And they're like, well, we don't believe you because you can't kill a God. It's right. It's impossible. Right. But then you could be like, well, I killed Alex May and saw the still too. And they're like, yeah, we don't believe like you know, just yeah. the, the idea of like, I did this. Don't you believe me? No. Yeah. No, no, we don't believe no. that. They're too powerful. Yeah. All right. Well, any other questions I, about Neon? 
Well, no other questions about Neon, but I did want to briefly talk about um, there's like big news at Microsoft right now yes. of them laying off um, 8% of their workforce, which is, I think, about 1,900 jobs. I think it's just in have. the video game just in the video game section just in the um, yeah, microsoft game i forgot it's right. just the xbox family right because like there are the, there are well more than that many employees working for microsoft across the board everywhere um yes but yeah just in the microsoft video game section of the company they had something mm-hmm. like 10 000, 12 000 employees or something like this mm-hmm. and uh yeah and they like a what like 1900 today just today yeah, 1900 today yeah um i i really I really think that from like a, a consumer perspective and a gamer perspective that these kind of these kind of like big moves are felt because this kind of um, blatant, uh, you know, corporate misdeed is felt by the creatives that work on the games. So like we are going to feel this in Starfield. There is going to be a morale hit for everyone working on everyone's yeah. morale right now is down. Right. And they're wondering, is, is this going to happen again? I've been through this. I went through a corporate merger to multi-billion dollar companies merged together. And I was let go because the company who ended up in charge of my section didn't have people doing my job in their company. And they were like, right. why are we paying this dozen people to so much money in order to do something that we don't need? And so I was let go uh, among a group of people. And then they came back again and they let go more people. And then another month later, they let go more people. It's normal. It's 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 not good, but it is a regular thing for corporations after they combine with other companies, purchase other companies to downsize because they have redundancies across the company. So Microsoft's probably going, well, we have this many people working on these projects and this many people working on these projects and and these people over here, but we now have too many people in marketing or in product development or whatever across the board because we can can be more efficient with this. So we're just going to let people go. To them, it's a numbers game, but to the employees, all of them, not just the people who are being let go. It is a, a thing that will affect their lives because they now are without work. They have to find new work. They might have to move cities. They might have to move their families in order to simply get a job and put food on the table. And I, I, I agree. Everyone in the company is going to feel it. When I went through this, everybody I knew at the company, especially the ones who didn't let go, were reaching out to me saying, I'm so sorry they let you go. You were a great employee, all of that. I'm also very nervous about my own job and productivity sank because everyone was so worried about what was going on that they weren't invested in getting the work done. And I think you're 100 percent right about that. And I, and I think it's 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 very dishonest of going through and, and when you're doing these mergers, you have to do a number of different hearings. You have to do a number of different um, government like uh, handiwork, especially like with anti-monopoly stuff. And when they hire, when they when they purchased Bethesda, they didn't let go of anybody. When they purchased Activision, they didn't let go any of anybody. And they promised people they were like, yeah, nothing's going to change. It's going to be business as normal. Yeah. We're just going to do this stuff. But that's always a lie. That's always that's a lie. Th- that's always what they say because they want to get through the acquisition and then they get past the acquisition. And they're like, well, we've changed our mind about some stuff. And so I think, you know, I had a lot of hesitancy about the acquisition when they kind of announced it. I was like, eh, I don't know if this is great for because I love like Bethesda games. I still love, but, you know, this isn't ch- changing my opinion about Bethesda games. I love them. But 
that creates a weird morale point. And I think that's why you saw a lot of departures right around that acquisition yes. of um, yeah. a lot of higher ups, a lot of leads, a lot of creatives. Right. That had the been people who have series. been through this before knew that this was coming. I and I can I can I went through the same thing. I hadn't mm-hmm. been through that before. But the my boss and my boss's boss, they were some of the first people to leave the company before the company let them go. Not because they were bad employees, but because they didn't want to be there for the fallout and all the crazy stuff that was going on. And they had plenty of experience. And so they started looking for jobs way early. And then I remember my boss, was, he was a great guy. He was the guy that got me the job there. And he was like, I can't officially say anything, but I can tell you what I'm doing. And maybe that will give you some insight into how you should look forward with what you're, what's going on here you know right yeah uh, it, 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 i think it's i think it's an important piece of of news and it's something that will affect starfield like this this will affect starfield as an active development um th- th- this is going to affect that game immensely um a- along with a lot of your other favorite you know xbox games including you know call of duty now include um you know, World of Warcraft, like this, this, the effects of this will be felt across numerous companies. Right. Everyone is probably afraid of their jobs and, and, and what that could mean in their future. And and, it, and when you think about it, these are high paying, like highly technical jobs that these people are doing. And so likely they could be the only breadwinners of their family. Like their yeah. spouse could be doing something else. They may have, like, they could be the ones that are providing that income. And so like having that looming over you, that this could happen to you is going to affect the creative development of these games, no matter what. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right about that. So our, uh, our hearts go out to you. If you, yeah. if you are suffering through losing your job or worried about losing your job, we are, we feel bad for you. Um, I, so we totally understand if things slow down, we don't get updates as quickly or the next expansion or whatever. It totally makes sense. Eventually things come back. Eventually these companies can rebound with good leadership and good people, the, the people who remain all of that. Uh, but it is, it is a struggle. And so um, we genuinely feel for you if you're going through this. I, I've been through it myself. I totally, it's, it's no fun. So, so there you go. Thanks for bringing that up, Dave. That's a kind of a heavy yeah, I point. I love to end on a great note. <laughs> Ending on a nice, nice heavy point about I people love losing to their end jobs. End every podcast with rage and sadness, all <laughs> wrapped up in the one. That's this is how I handle my life every day. I end my day with yeah. rage, a good cup I, of rage. I go to and bed a, angry and sad every night. <laughs> cup of rage and a plate of sadness. Oh, yeah, that's my late night snack. Uh, Well, thank you for being here. Uh, We would love to hear your thoughts about the city of neon, the way the government is set up, your experiences with these mega corporations and where you think some of this could be expanded in other interesting ways, say in future updates or sequels and those kinds of things. Uh, And uh, heck, if you even have any really cool stories about Starfield and you want to share them on the Discord server, please let us know. It's always fun to read people's experiences with that stuff. And, And we just appreciate you being here and listening. Dave, you got other stuff you want to share before we head out? Uh, Rad Rolls is doing their thing. Uh, my thing, their thing, everyone's thing. We are a fa- tabletop role-playing game uh, that you can listen to on all podcast services. Uh, we're having a great time out in the uh, Stormlands, an original setting 
in the middle of America. So check that out on YouTube and podcast services. Nice. And of course, you can check out all of my other shows. I'm wearing my wearing my Fallout Lorecast shirt, which I've had for hey years there. now. It's faded and old at this point. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So retro. So vintage. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're talking tonight with our patrons on the Elder Scrolls Lorecast about the new updates for ESO. There's new Daedric Prince and that kind of thing. Uh, there's the Fallout Lorecast. There's the Lord of the Rings Lorecast and Mass Effect Lorecast. Lots of different shows on the Robots Radio Network that are even not my shows. So go to robotsradio.net. Check all that stuff out go check out rad rolls with dave and his friends and thank you for being here we'll be back next week uh with our patrons so that's exciting we'll see you out there and stay safe try not to get stuck on neon because you're addicted to aurora it's not necessarily Ta-ta for now way folks. To do it. all right see you later everybody you enjoyed this show did you know that parodies are copyright protected tell a friend and review on itunes or other services dave and tom excited for starfield let's all speculate and wear no shoes hey why aren't we wearing any shoes because shoes rhymes with itunes and that's the best i could think of Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24.